Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Broad Eye podcast. My name is Sean Maloney, and today I will be speaking with two uh, representatives of a company called eSight, an exciting technology company uh, in the low vision space. So first off, we have Brian McCollum. He is the chief commercial officer, uh, as well as Richard Weatherford, who is an eSight coach and a real life user of the technology. So gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean. So Brian, I thought we could start off uh, with you. And I was hoping you could give us a little bit of background about the company. You know, what is eSight? What is the technology? And also maybe your story and, and how you got involved with the company. For sure. So eSight is a, is a very interesting story. Uh, it started with a, the original founders, a gentleman named Conrad Lewis, uh, who was based in Canada. Uh, he has two sisters uh, who currently even still live today with Stargardt's disease. And so Stargardt's being the juvenile form of macular degeneration, they, they essentially were looking for a solution that would allow them to continue to do the things they enjoy doing. And so Conrad set out to, to develop a, a device that would do that. And so in early 2013, uh, he got to his first prototype design, which was essentially the eSight one or the original product uh, and really just kept, you know, for lack of a better word, tinkering around and trying to make it better. Uh, and so by 2015, they launched, you know, the second generation product uh, and we've launched a new product about every two years since. Uh, and essentially what it, what it does is it takes the concept of a camera uh, that is attached to a head mounted device that's wearable uh, where people can remain mobile and it pulls images uh, into two screens that are right in front of the user's eyes. So what it's really doing is, is help compensate uh, for gaps that those users uh, might have. And so it's an interesting story. The company's been you know, around now for a right at about the 10 year mark. And uh, we're, we're excited about kind of the current version we have that we launched last summer and where we think technology is going. No, that's, a, no, that's a good overview. I, you know, I, as you're talking, it's just bringing back a, a memory of when I first heard about the technology. I don't know if it would have been with you know, the version one or version two, but it was a, a news piece uh, about a gentleman who was using this and uh, to be able to, him and his wife were able to sit and watch the hockey game together. So that really speaks to me as a, as a Canadian. Uh, I don't know if that news piece rings a bell or if you just had thousands of news pieces over the years. Yeah, we've had several, obviously, news, news uh, coverage over the years, but we do find uh, you know, that, that individual is not alone. You know, there, there's a lot of things that these, these folks want to be able to do. Uh, and it could be, you know, from holding a job or it could be as simple as watching TV and watching the hockey game. And so what we've tried to do over the, the iterations of the product is really try to uh, adapt the technology so that, that those things can be done. And quite honestly, you know, we're going to talk to Richard here in a little bit, uh, but the coaching process that occurs that we kind of, you know, provide as part of the device is really where these individuals get to dive in to the things they really want to do and allow these coaches to truly take them through the device and get the best out of it. Um, so we, whether it's watching hockey or whether it's having a job or going to school, uh, the goal is really to provide something that they can just have to do life with. No, I think that's, that's good. But no, why did you, if you don't mind me asking, why did you get involved with the company or what was the, yeah, what was the, the, the alignment, I guess, for you? You obviously, as just as you're talking, I can tell that you're, you're passionate about the technology. I'm just curious, what was that, uh, 
Uh, what's that journey look like for you getting involved? Yeah, for sure. So I, I've only actually been at Esite about 18 months now. Uh, I actually got exposed to Esite uh, in the early two th- in early 2020. Uh, I've spent my whole career in healthcare, uh, primarily in what you would consider typical healthcare, you know, orthopedic devices, uh, implant devices, selling to hospitals, selling to through surgeons, through prescriptive devices, and things like that. And so, really, you know, coming at it from a healthcare perspective, when I got exposed to Esite just looking at how assistive technology or how devices that I compare you know, pretty equally to healthcare or medical devices are treated completely different in our healthcare system. And so being based in the US, so I'm based in the US, uh, looking at how our US, the US government treats certain technologies. I was just intrigued that technology is advancing to the point to where we now can do more with it. They are beginning to look more like, you know, wearable medical devices that you would see that are treating certain conditions or helping people live with certain conditions that they have. And, and I felt like there's a path here for us to be able to get this, to make it more accessible uh, to individuals. And so as you begin to dive into what that population looks like, uh, as we all know, it's, it's an ever-growing population. Uh, you know, the, the big conditions that people talk about being macular degeneration, you know, there, there is no cure for this. And so we've only got individuals who are, who are aging into these types of conditions. Uh, and so to be able to say, hey, let's develop a device. Let's find a way to make it more accessible. Uh, that's really what excites me. Uh, I'm not really a, a techie sort of uh, type of person. I'm more about how can we create a product that meets the needs of individuals and then how can we get that paid for? And I think that's a big gap in, in this space in the United States for sure. You know, just as, as you're talking, it, it makes me, you know, think, and I've looked at the technology in this way before. Often when people are looking from the outside and they say, oh, there's going to find a, you know, a, a treatment or something for blindness uh, or low vision, that, that's great. But they look at people on both ends of the spectrum. You say people who are either sighted or they're not. But the reality is, is that there are, you know, the vast majority would fall, you know, who I have any sort of uh, visual deficit would fall somewhere in that spectrum. And that's where I think a technology like this is, uh, is really paramount and can, can really, you know, deliver a lot of value. But maybe Richard can actually comment on that. Richard, you are a real life user of the technology and also an eSight coach. So uh, maybe you can just share with the audience you know, your experience using uh, the technology and, um, you know, how you ended up becoming a coach with the organization. So uh, when I was in college, I um, was very involved with our assistive technology lab. We had one um, at Purdue where I could just go and, and use, you know, um, Criswell and different different things at the time. Obviously, eSight didn't exist at, at, at that point, or at least I didn't know about it, right? Um and so through that kind of stuff, I, I knew I wanted to be somewhere in, you know, somewhere in the space, or at least I, I really enjoyed helping um, my fellow, you know, students kind of kind of get through stuff. At, at this point, I had been legally blind for um, quite a few years, and um, so I, I enjoyed helping um, teach people that were coming in. Um, and then I, I, I think that just kind of kind of stuck with me um, throughout throughout the years. And then when I was introduced to eSight, um, and then the first eSight that I had was an eSight 3. And it was it, it was pretty groundbreaking for me. Um, and I 
remember going in and doing a demo and um you know my mom had made me this this book um kind of like a baby book but but not exactly it had a lot of pictures and a lot of sentimental stuff from when my daughter was born um but there were things in it that i never really even saw and during that demo i i, I was reading different things that she put in it and and i was and i could see the picture so clearly and um it was kind of an emotional day and um you know at that moment i knew that this this technology was going to help me help me greatly and um from that point on i i pretty much just dove into it um and then later when eSight 4 uh, came out of course i was i jumped on it to to upgrade and and i can't um can't tell you how much i love my my eSight 4 um i just i just love everything about it um but one of the the big things for me is just the the independence that that it gives me um, and the reassuredness that I get from being able to do things um, with my daughter being it, it just gave me an ability to do the things that I had wanted to do I never miss a practice um, I, I've never missed any any school function but I also before I got the eSight never actually could see them um, and being able to be there and actively be there and actively, I, I can remember going to this, to this, um, you know, it was like, it was like a school um, play type music, you know, thing and sitting in the middle of an auditorium and I picked my daughter out on stage and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm like shaking my wife. I'm like, look, she's right there, you know, like so excited. And, um, and, and that's, those are the kinds of things that it gives gives back to you. Um, those were the kinds of things that just, you know, fired me up even that much more. And I'm like, if, if I'm getting this much good out of it and, and I've learned to really, um, you know, I've learned how to fine tune the settings and I've learned what to do in different situations. I knew that I could help others with, you know, be able to teach them as well. So, you know, you said a lot of things that are really, um, hit home with me. And I think that one thing uh, I'm going to have to talk with you gentlemen about maybe offline after is how I can demo this myself. And it, it, as I mentioned before, I have written as pigmentosa and, you know, what you're saying about, you know, uh, you know, school plays or, or whatever with the kids, just, you know, I'm the same way. I don't miss them, but engaging actively, you know, is difficult. And when my kids are three, four, five years old. It's like, Hey, daddy's great. Daddy's in the crowd. My daddy's there. Hello my wife would poke me, Hey, they're waving at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they're a bit older, sometimes like my kids are, you know, they're 10, nine and, uh, and eight now. And, you know, they know that I I'm there, but I can't see what's going on. And so it's not the same as, you know, if there was a way to actively engage and, and, uh, you know, see my daughter doing gymnastics or my son playing soccer, these things are, they're, uh, you, you almost, <laughs> Like I sound terrible, but I'm almost like welling up as you're telling me these, the, the emotion side of things. Right. And I think that uh, anything that can give that back to people is, um, is huge, but so on the, Oh, sorry, go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, I just wanted to add to that. Um, something, you know, as a parent yourself, um, you'll probably relate to this, but you know, um, for me, because I actually, I have star arts and I don't have any central vision left. Like it's pretty much, taken its toll um and once your 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 child is you know four or five feet away or if they just happen to be in that right central vision spot she's gone she disappeared 
and the fear that you have when you're on a playground and all of a sudden you're looking around and, and they're gone and you know they're not but you can't see them and getting the eSight and being able to like track her down and, and be able, it also took a lot of anxiety away it took a lot of um it, it it helped my mental health as well as my you know just my physical well-being yeah yeah i have no doubt on that uh, can you just maybe comment on uh you know what coaching looks like then so when you have somebody who's new to eSight and you're working as a coach you know what does that dynamic look like Oh, it's, it's, it's awesome. So it's one-on-one, right? And, and we're given the time and ability to, to really work with our patients. And of course we teach them, you know, all the ins and outs of the device. Um, but where it gets really fun is we talk about their goals and, you know, what they want to do, just like you were, you're talking about, you know, the, the, the piece on with the hockey game. Um, people are telling us that. And once we get them through the basics of you learn the device, then we get to go into, okay, how do we make this, the perfect fit for that activity. Um, and it's really fun because sometimes, you know, you, you're, you're doing problem solving and you're doing um, a lot of stuff. And I think it's really helpful for the patient because they know that they have someone with them that is a user, number one, that uses it every day, that knows it inside and out. And that also we're kind of, we're kind of that shoulder because you never know where in the process somebody is. Um, and somebody could actively still be losing their sight. Someone could have lost it, you know, um, a few months prior. Um, some people may be old hands at this, and they're great with assistive tech, and they know all that, all that stuff. And it's it's really great to kind of take them through that journey and relate the stories, and um, you know, all while trying to achieve those goals that they set out for themselves. No, oh, that's a. Uh... It sounds like a really, a really rewarding job. Uh, you know, it seems like you, when you when you're doing work that you're passionate about, then it's not work at all, right? So that's uh, yes. it, they. Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. Oh, there you go. So I'm doing a podcast. I enjoy that. So, um, uh, Brian, maybe I can come come back to you. Um, you know, I've heard that you know the eSight one, the two, the three, the four. Can you maybe just talk a little bit about you know the evolution of the technology? Um, you know what has changed with the technology over time that, you know, has led to these upgrades and, um, you know, maybe what do you see, you know, in the years ahead for, for the company and for the technology? Sure. So the, the, the technology, as you can imagine, has, has pretty much evolved. Uh, the eSight device has pretty much evolved as technology has evolved, right? So cameras becoming better, uh, batteries becoming smaller, you know, boards processing power, et cetera. But I think where eSight really uh, set out to differentiate itself from the very beginning was this is both a hardware and a software uh, design that is specific to eSight. So as you're probably aware in the space, sometimes uh, software providers take a device that is geared for mass production, whether it's a VR type headset or, or some type of AR type glasses, if you will. And they basically manipulate a software that, uh, that, that tries to do the things uh, by manipulating the image. And so, as you can imagine, there's several shortfalls that occur, right? Because the device wasn't intended 
uh, specific to low vision. They're basically trying to alter a device. And so eSight from the very beginning set out to create both the hardware and the software. And, and it, it's done that uh, successfully through four iterations. This latest design that we have launched back in the summer, which is what we're calling eSight 4, um, is really a halo design. And so what happens is we determined that mobility was one of the number one issues that we needed to solve for. Um, it's not that folks you know, are uncomfortable having a, a wire connected to it from a control perspective, but we just felt like if there was the ability to, to have a hands-free device, 100% wireless, still included there are patented by optic tilt, uh, which we'll talk about how that impacts mobility, the ability for interchangeable batteries. So, you know, you don't have to solve a rechargeable situation. Our batteries are 100% interchangeable. You can take them out, put a new one in, um, you know, the last two to three hours. So on about three batteries, you can pretty much go all day. It was extremely important for us to have that concept uh, in our new technology, even though the new device, while maybe looks a little bigger, uh, obviously it feels a little heavier because we've put everything into the, into the device, but the way it sits on the head, the weight is evenly distributed. So folks, uh, you know, Richard can weigh in on what the comfort is of wearing it for an extended period of time, which they do. But we felt like uh, the users, the feedback we got from them was, hey, while yeah, it's a little bit heavier, the way it sits and fits on our head uh, is way more comfortable. And so on the, on the mobility side, so for us, we've gotten now to proof of concept, we've gotten to version four, We've got a, a new form factor that is the Halo design. The eSight 4 was a 100% redesign of their software system. And so what we were able to do is we, have, we offer over-the-air updates. Uh, so now if you have a device, we are able to send to you, uh, just like with your phone, right? You get updates to your phone. We fix certain things. We add, they add certain features. Uh, we're able to do that. And we actually just launched uh, this past week our first over-the-air update for eSight 4. So we're really excited about not only the hardware design and its comfort and mobility and, and how it aids to that, but really the software platform that's been developed and the way you know, we, can, we can hopefully tailor it. Uh, there'll probably be some, some AI that's built into it, really finding ways to better produce products solely intended for the low vision community, uh, which is a little bit different than what you might see amongst our competitors in the market. Well, that uh, uh, makes a lot of sense. And then maybe Richard, maybe you can, you know, weigh in on that, on the, on these technological advances, um, you know, from a user's perspective, how, you know, how have they impacted the experience um, and how do you foresee some of the, you know, forthcoming uh, changes impacting the experience uh, from the user's perspective and from a coaching perspective. So um, just with, from, you know, where I started with the site three and then where we're at now with the site four, um, I, it, it's, it's hard to say, like, it's, imp it's improved um, so much, but when you say it's improved, it's like, well, but the, but the three was so good. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but it actually got, it got better. Um, I, I, I love that the, the, the weight is evenly distributed. And, um, the one thing that I, I absolutely love, um, with the four, you know, it's, it's, um, 
I, I have the ability to bring the screens in right up next to my eyes. And um, that was really important for me. The other thing that you can do that, you know, is, is really nice is um, I am very light sensitive. And so I can still wear my sunglasses and just give the visor a little bit extra distance and bring it down so that my sunglasses are blocking out all of my natural, you know, the light that I can't handle. And I'm still able to see through the screens because of the um, the extra brightness that is on the ESI 4 screens. Um, so everything that I've seen, the way that it's evolved has been uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, I'm starting from a, a place, you know, like I said, when I was in school that um, you didn't have, there, there wasn't anything um, wearable, right? And the only, the only things that you could, that you really had available to you were, um, on a visual, you know, on a visual level was like a, a CCTV. Um, and I've, I'm sure like many listeners out there, um, I've wore out my share of CCTVs. Um, but I did a lot of things in college um, auditory because I had no other choice. Um, I just couldn't, it, it wasn't feasible to do it um, really in any other way. And so once I got turned on to eSight, um, it was, it was, bringing all that back and it brought uh, an independence that came with with the mobility it brought um and and if i could just mention the mobility that it, it is one of the key aspects of what makes these like different um you know brian mentioned the bioptic tilt i keep my e-site um so number one i wear my e-site almost all day long, right? Whether I'm looking actively looking through the visor or not, I will still keep my eSight on. Um, now I might put it in standby if I'm not looking right through the visor at that moment. Um, but like I said, what's really nice about that is I can just reach up, pop it right back in. And what that does is it allows me to be able to look at my, um, if I want to look across the room, see what time it is on the microwave or something like that, all I have to do is lower that visor or lower that tilt. Um, and so I use it a, a lot of times in this bi, bioptic tilt in the in kind of like bifocals in a way where I'm retaining some of my natural sight um, and some of my peripheral, but I can just lower my head, look, glance up, and I have you know, I have that enhanced um, magnification where I can see things a lot further away. So when you're walking, um, you don't have it, you know, necessarily flat in front of your eyes all the way down. You get it at that tilt. But what's nice about that is I can glance up and now all of a sudden I'm looking at street science and I can read them. Um, but I also, but I don't have, you know, I don't feel like I have horse blinders on, right? To where I can't, I, I can't see anything around me. Um, so it, it's really the best of both worlds in that respect. Um, and it, it's something that I, I really treasure and wish had been around, um, you know, when I was, uh, when I was making my way through campus. <laughs> no, for, for sure. I can certainly, can certainly relate to that. Um, you know, maybe I'll come back to you, uh, Brian, you know, we, Richard's talking about his background with, you know, Stargardt's disease. Um, who else is this technology for? Yeah, and you alluded to macular degeneration, but is there a group of uh, degenerative conditions that this is for and, and not for? And maybe if you can just explain why that is. 
Well, so so if you generally think about it, uh, central vision loss is is really kind of a, at a high level what we feel like we can impact the most. Uh, and so as you naturally think of the, the, the volumes of folks that suffer from a macular degeneration, whether or star guards, um, diabetic retinopathy um, is another one that that comes to mind that that is kind of large out there, retinitis or retinopathy of prematurity, anything that's kind of affecting that central vision loss, retinitis pigmentosa. And, and we've done some work around success factors that we see. Um, so for example, uh, a 15 degree field of view seems to be, you know, kind of that lower level. If you, if you have less than a 15 degree, sometimes there's just not enough th that can get in there. Um, and so it really depends on, on, you know, kind of your specific condition and, and because everyone's conditions are unique, um, you know, our job really is about around awareness, right. And accessibility and just allowing folks to try it. I mean, as you can imagine uh, in the medical world, a lot of times you, you have devices and you really don't know if they actually truly impact the care of the patient or if they truly have an outcome, you do clinical trials, you determine it. I mean, you know, pretty immediately if you put this device on your head, but then five minutes, does it work for you, right? You know, does it actually cause you to see better? Uh, and so that's kind of the approach we've taken is look, how do we make people aware that something exists? And then how do we make it accessible for them to try that? Um, and so while, yeah, there's standard, you know, four or five key conditions that we see, that doesn't mean it's not going to work for other folks because it, it, it really is dependent upon your unique condition. And so we do that a couple of different ways. Uh, historically, the company had had really taken that direct to consumer approach uh, just because it was a new technology and to getting the professionals, the, the low vision optometrist or that ophthalmologist to to understand what it was and how to incorporate it into their practice. Um, the, the company historically gravitated toward that, that kind of direct to consumer. Uh, we have now since with the launch of eSight 4, began to put these, these demo units into clinicians offices, uh, whether that's in the US or Canada. Uh, most of them are sitting in what you would call a low vision specialist or a low vision optometrist. They may be sitting at a VA facility at a state agency. And so what we've tried to do is say, hey, um, we need to expose as many people to the device and the advancements in technology for the quite simple fact that we want you to try it. We want someone to be able to get their hands on this, you know, and be able to say, does it work for me? And that's, that's the first gate. And if it works, then it's about, okay, will I incorporate this into my daily life? Does it help me enough uh, to warrant the cost of it, because cost absolutely will, will be a factor until we get more mainstream reimbursement or more range, mainstream coverage for it. And then that's kind of where the coaches come in. So yeah, you've made a decision. It works for you. Now, yes, I will incorporate it, but I really want to make sure I get the most out of it. Um, and so really, it's, it's, we want people to try it. And then it's as simple as that. No, and that's uh... Maybe that I'll, I'll wrap up with my next question, which is, you, you know, it's a nice uh, um, segue here. You know, as, as somebody who maybe would like to try this and people listening to this obviously uh, would be part of that group, uh, including, you know, the eye care professionals that would listen to this, you know, how does somebody go about learning more about eSight, about the technology, about, uh, you know, where they can demo it, et cetera? 
For sure. So the best place to to come is to the, our website, eSiteEyewear.com, and we can get you the links to, to that. Uh, we can get you some some phone numbers as well and to put in the notes. Uh, but really come to our website. Uh, you'll be able to get to see, you know, the current product. You'll be able to get to learn a little bit about the company. Uh, we have a home experience process. And, you know, we were we were doing Zoom before Zoom was cool. Uh, and so we we have been operating into this telehealth world for almost since the inception, quite honestly. And so we've got it down to a, a pretty good science. There's a screening process that we'll go through. It's very basic, uh, three or four questions. If you're a good candidate and we think that you'll see gain for it from the device, uh, we'll get you one shipped to your house. You'll spend uh, seven to 10 days with the device. You'll go through it with one of our account uh, executives that are working with these folks. And then if it works for you, then you make the decision on, on whether you think it's something you want to incorporate into your toolbox. Uh, and then the coaching part comes into it. The other thing we have done, uh, if, if it's a low vision professional or an ophthalmologist, um, if you would, if you think, or they think that they see enough low vision patients that they have folks that they're currently treating or currently seeing that could benefit from such technology, they can also find us via the physicians page on our website. And we have a team that works with them directly talking about, you know, what, how they think it could fit into their practice. And we're happy to send them a demo out free of charge. We're not charging the physician to put it into their practice. We'd like for them to have it for 30 or 60 days, see if they can incorporate it into their practice. And then if they can, great. Uh, if they're, if they're routinely showing it, we have no problem leaving it there. Uh, or if they're saying, Hey, we don't see enough patients for it to, for us to have an asset here, they can simply refer them back to us and we can put them through a home experience process. No, I think that's uh, that's certainly a nice overview. So hopefully people listening to this will, will take you up on that at uh, both the patients and, and uh, physicians. And like you mentioned in the, in the show notes that we, that we publish along with the episode, we'll include the, links to this information. So, um, Brian, Richard, I'd like to thank both of you for, for joining today. Uh, I know I've learned a little bit here. Uh, I knew a little bit about the technology ahead of time, but I definitely have some uh, nuggets of wisdom to take away and uh, just lots of thoughts. I have a lot of friends and colleagues in that space who, uh, who I'm definitely going to be sharing this episode with if they're, if they're not already following the podcast, although they should be. <laughs> but uh, I want to take the opportunity to, to thank you both for, uh, for joining me today to share your, share your information. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, we appreciate the opportunity, Sean. And uh, let us know what you need and uh, your folks, and we will we'll try to help them best we can. Excellent. Thank you.